This evening, we're going to turn to look at Lamentations chapter 3. So can I invite you to turn with me to Lamentations chapter 3. If you find Psalms and then you turn over um, a couple of books, you'll get to Lamentations. And we're going to be thinking about these verses right in the middle of the book of Lamentations. In Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations was most likely written by the prophet Jeremiah whenever God's people had been taken into captivity. And Lamentations, it's a bit like Ron Seal. It does exactly what it says according to the name. It's a book of lament. People, God's people lamenting about the mess that their sin has got them into. Lamenting about the brokenness that they find themselves in. Lamenting about their situation. And yet at the center of this book, at the center of this chapter, we have these verses. And so we're going to read from Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 19 down to verse 27. Lamentations 3 from verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. We're going to end the reading at the end of verse 27. And we do thank God for the reading of his word. Can I encourage you to turn back to Lamentations chapter 3? Open your Bibles back to Lamentations chapter 3, and we're going to be thinking about these verses this evening. Now, I don't know if you stayed up to after midnight last night, but if you decided, yep, I'm going to sit up, I'm going to wait until I watch the fireworks on the BBC, and then I'm going to bed. Or maybe you just decided, do you know what? It's 10 o'clock, it's all right, I'm away on to bed. I don't know what you did. I don't know how you're feeling about a new year. Some people really look forward to the start of a new year. They're excited as they think about what might lie ahead in the year that is to come. We'll not even touch on the subject of if you've made any New Year's resolutions. I was sharing with the folk in Brescian this morning, um, talking about a survey um, last week that had been asking people what resolutions they were making. And you'll no doubt um, not be surprised when I say that the top answers were to do more exercise and to watch what you were eating. I don't know if any of you are going to be trying to do that over the year that lies ahead. But how do you feel 
at the start of this new year. What is it that you hope for in the year that lies ahead? But what do you fear most about the year that lies ahead? This evening, how are you feeling about the beginning of a new year? The passage in front of us shows us that there are two ways that we can approach life. Two ways that we can approach the start of a new year. These verses in the middle of Lamentations are the most familiar verses in Lamentations. For many of us, these verses are perhaps the only part of Lamentations that we actually know. But in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the exile that God's people are enduring, there are perhaps some of the most precious, glorious words in all of Scripture. That the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. With our Bibles open in front of us, let's pray for just a moment. Father, as we turn to your word, as we come on this first Sunday of a new year, Father, we pray that you will speak to our hearts, that as we come with our hopes and our fears, our worries and our expectations, Father, may you meet us at our point of need. (coughs) Father, may you help us to see, Father, that you are at work. Help us to understand your love, your mercies, and your faithfulness so that we leave this place rejoicing and praising your name. So, Father, speak to our hearts tonight, we pray. Amen. And so this passage in front of us shows us two ways that we can approach the new year. Look with me at verses 19 and 20. Remember my afflictions and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. We're thinking about this context of exile. But we understand what the writer here is talking about. He says he is remembering the afflictions, the troubles, the hardships, the difficult times that he's been through. And he speaks about the bitterness that he's had to endure, the wormwood and the goal. The writer here knows that life at times can be very difficult. And you don't need me to tell you that. We all know that life in a fallen world at times is difficult. There's a bitter taste a lot of the time. There's affliction, there's difficulty. At times it can feel that all you hear is bad news. All you hear is about people going through tragedies, facing suffering, enduring pain. And so as the writer here speaks these words, we can relate to it. There's something realistic about what the writer has to say. Maybe 2022 has been an incredibly difficult year for you. It's been exhausting. It's been painful. You've seen... Um, more hardship in one year than you feel like you've experienced in the rest of your life. 
You've had worries over your health, worries about family, stresses and pressures that maybe nobody else knows about. Maybe you're here and you've suffered grief within the past year. You know that at times life can be very difficult. And look at verse 20. The writer says, my soul continually remembers it. This difficulty that he's facing, this hard time that he's going through, it's all that he can think about. He can't escape it. He is continually remembering it. When he wakes in the morning, it's the first thing he's thinking about. When he goes to bed at night, it's still in his mind. He's waking up in the middle of the night and he cannot escape it. And he goes on in the second half of verse 20 to say that his soul is bowed down. He's crushed in spirit. He's downcast. He is broken. We can understand. We know what it's like. Many of us have experienced it. Feeling that weight and heaviness of life. Feeling as if life is just getting on top of us and we're being crushed under it. But if you're within Christ, if you know Christ, there's hope. For there's something more and something greater. Shining through in this passage is the gospel. We see clearly that we're being pointed to the sufficient, the powerful, the present and faithful care of God for his people. And so verse 21, what does he say? But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. He's talked about how difficult life is. He's talked about how he's feeling under the weight of it. He can't stop thinking about it. He's feeling crushed by everything that's going on. So what does he do? This I call to mind and I have hope. Look at those words. But this I call to mind. What is he doing? He is deliberately thinking. He's deliberately recalling. And it's a reminder to us that we need to know God's word. It's a reminder to us that we need to be people of the word. We need to remind ourselves in each and every day of who God is and what God has done for us. If we're going to recall it, we need to know it. I talked about resolutions a couple of minutes ago. One of the things that many Christians do at the start of the year is they say, this is the year that I'm going to get my Bible reading sorted. There'll be people who they'll start out into one of those plans for reading the whole Bible in a year. And they start out on the 1st of January with great intentions that they're going to follow this plan. They're going to keep it to the letter. But then what happens? By the end of that first week, they've already fallen behind on two days. It gets two weeks into it, well, they've now nearly missed a week's worth of readings. And suddenly, they're three weeks into the new year, and the whole thing has fell apart. And they say, well, too late now, I'll have to wait to next year. We need to keep on reading God's Word. If you are following a plan and you can't stick with it, well, do instead of reading the whole chapter, read a few verses. We need to be reading God's word. We can't just say, well, I haven't been able to follow this plan and we just leave it to next year. We need to make sure that we're reading something. Yes, we want to be reading large sections of scripture, 
But if it's going to be one or two verses that we read, that we think about, that we dwell upon in the day ahead, that's what we need to do. Because we need to know God's word, to know who he is, to remind ourselves of what he has done for us. And then we need to be people who pray. We need to talk to God. How often do you pray? Is prayer a central part of your life as a Christian? Is it? If somebody was watching your life for a day, for a week, would they say that prayer was an important part? Would they say that prayer is central in your life? We need to be people who are reading and praying. The writer has this basis, this grounding, and so he is able to call to mind, to remind himself, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. And what does he call to mind? Well, verses 22 to 23, three things that are always true about God. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He's facing this hard time. He's facing this difficulty. And he says, I'm going to call to mind. I am going to remember. I am going to remind myself of the steadfast love of the Lord, of God's mercy and compassion, and of his faithfulness. And we want to think about those three things. You see, no matter what we might have to face or have to go through, we can be sure of God's steadfast love. God's love means that we are not consumed. It's a miracle of the grace of God that we've not been consumed by God's wrath. The nature of our rebellion means that we decided to go our own way. We turned our backs on God. We thought that we didn't need God. And so we deserve to face God's judgment. It is a miracle of God's grace that we are still alive. God's love means that we don't get what we deserve. But instead, Christ took upon himself the judgment that you and I deserve to face. And in return, we get what Christ deserved. God looks at us and he sees Christ. When we are in Jesus, God looks at us and he sees us as Jesus. He sees us as sons and daughters. The steadfast love of the Lord means that we'll never be consumed by God because Christ has taken our punishment. God's love has been made known to us through his son and it changes absolutely everything. And that's what the writer here wants to do. He wants to remind himself of the love of God, wants to remind himself of who he is. And here we are as people, the other side of the cross, people who have the New Testament in front of us, and we have seen God's love. We know what is being talked about here. The love of God points us to the cross where Christ died. He took God's judgment upon himself so that you and I could be sons and daughters of God. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. His mercy, his compassion, speaking of tenderness, speaking of deep mercy, 
Yes, there's affliction. Yes, there's bitterness. Yes, there's gall. But with it is the mercy of God. And look at the second half of verse 22. It's mercies. Note the plural. Note the S. An abundance of mercy that's new every morning. God's mercy is never going to fail. It is new every morning. Think back again to this context. People who are far from home, people in exile, they're going through the judgment of God and yet God's compassion was fresh and new every morning. They knew God's mercy each and every day. And it's the same for us as God's people in 2023. We can go to bed every single night and know that there's nothing that is going to happen tomorrow that God's mercy is not the equal of. We might wake up every morning and we can be thinking about the difficulty that the day ahead is going to bring. Well, we're told here, we're promised here that God's mercy and compassion will more than meet our need. It will meet your specific need in your specific situation. Think about that. No matter what you're thinking about when you wake up in the morning, no matter the worries, no matter what you're thinking I'm going to have to face in this day ahead, God's mercy will meet you right where you are. His mercies are new each morning. Why is that? Why is it that they have to be new each day? Well, it's so that we go to Christ afresh each day. You see, it's not because yesterday's mercies were bad or weak. It's because they were yesterday's. Yesterday's mercies were for yesterday's burdens. Today's mercies are for the day ahead. They are new every morning. As you look back over your life, have there been those points where you've said to yourself, this is it? I've come to the end of my reserves. There's nothing more that I can give. I'm completely done. One more straw and this camel's back is going to break. We despair of what tomorrow's going to bring because we're already at breaking point. Well, it's at that moment that we desperately need to remember this truth. God's mercies are new each day. So we must try not to add to today's load with worrying about tomorrow. We mustn't doubt God and say, I've no strength, so tomorrow's going to be impossible. You see, we'll not be asked to live tomorrow on today's strength. What you need today is not tomorrow's mercies. You need today's mercies. And today's mercies will be new and they will be enough. God says it. God promises it. Whatever you're going to have to face, whatever the day is going to bring, God's mercies will never come to an end. There's no end to them. We can't even comprehend God's mercy that he makes known to us. God gives us grace for today. Grace for what's right in front of us. Today, Sunday, the 1st of January, 2023, God has given us the supply of grace we need for today. God hasn't given us today what we need for tomorrow. His mercies are new 
each morning. And it's guaranteed because God is faithful. Great is your faithfulness. One of the reasons many people know about Lamentations 3 is because of the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, written by the American Thomas Chisholm. He trained in ministry, but after a year he had to withdraw because of ill health, and it was ill health he endured for the rest of his life. He wrote the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, towards the end of his life, and he said this, He said, my income has not been large at any time because of my ill health, and my ill health has followed me until now, but I wanted to record the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God, and that he has given me many wonderful displays of his care. He endured years of ill health and struggle, but as he was getting towards the end of his life, he looked back And he understood the faithfulness of God. He'd seen it again and again and again. You see, one of the things as believers we can do is that we can look back over the year that has passed, the years that have passed. And we can look back and we can see perhaps for the first how God has been at work. And we can look back and we can see God's hand in a situation that we maybe couldn't see at the time. We can see how God's mercies carried us through that day. We can see God's faithfulness. Thomas Chisholm wanted to record a hymn that spoke of the faithfulness of God because he knew it in his life. And he wrote a hymn which by now must have been sung by tens of millions of Christians, a hymn to keep trusting in the faithful God. God's love, God's mercy, and God's faithfulness are things that are always true about God. That is why as believers, we can be hopeful as we look into the year ahead, because these promises are not dependent on whether we get fitter in 2023. They're not dependent on whether we stick to that diet, whether we lose weight, whether we get a promotion in our work, whether we get the grades that we want at school or university. These promises are dependent on Christ, and he has already secured the victory at the cross. And so verse 24 says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The portion, it was allotted land. It was your future. This was land that was passed down through the family, given to the eldest son. This portion of land. And this land would be your everything. You were going to depend on it. Depend on it to give you the food that you needed. Depend on it to earn the income that was going to support you and your family. A portion of land that was your everything. Here the writer says... The Lord is my portion. Is the Lord our everything? Do we see our future being completely dependent on God? The God of love, the God of compassion, the God of faithfulness. Do we look to him? Do we trust in him completely for everything? See, what is it that you are hoping for most in the year ahead. Surely as believers, we want to be hoping that we will know God more. 
that God really will be our portion, that he will be our everything, that he will be the center of our lives. Surely as we start out into a new year, this should be our prayer. This should be our focus, that what matters most is for Christ to be our everything. And if we're in Christ, that means we'll have nothing to fear about whatever might happen in the year that lies ahead. Being a Christian doesn't mean that difficulties won't come our way. But it means we'll know God's love, we'll know God's mercy, we'll know God's faithfulness. And that's why the writer says again, we need to say to our souls, we need to keep reminding ourselves of who God is and what God has done for us. And when we do, we will hope in the love of God, the compassion of God and the faithfulness of God. Dixon Hoost was the second director of the China Inland Mission, now known as OMF. He took over from Hudson Taylor, a hard man to follow. But Dixon Hoost led the China Inland Mission for 35 years. And as he was coming to the point of retirement, he gathered the directors of the China Inland Mission together one day in June 1935. The council met together and Dixon Host rose to his feet. For 35 years, he had led the mission organization. For 35 years, the decisions that had been made rested with him. For 35 years, he'd sacrificed his own interests. He'd sacrificed his own desires so that he could serve God with China Inland Mission. And over those 35 years, he'd seen the mission go from 780 missionaries to 1,360. Whenever he started, there were 364 churches 35 years later, there were over 1,200. There were 400 mission outposts whenever he started. As he was approaching retirement, there were over 2,200. There went from 1,700 baptisms a year to over 7,500. And now Dixon Host, the man who had been at the center of it all for 35 years, looked round the table Look to those who were looking to him as he was about to share his final parting words to his colleagues. What was he going to say? What words of advice did he have to give? He had been through many difficulties with the mission organization throughout that time. He had seen the growth of the mission organization, but now he was retiring. They were eagerly awaiting pens poised as to what Dixon Host was going to say. He stood up, he opened his mouth, and he said, count on God. Count on God for the future. Reckon on his faithfulness. And with that, he sat down. As we go into this new year, Look to God, count on him, 
on his love, on his mercy, on his faithfulness. Life at times is very hard. Lamentations doesn't try and shy away from it. Lamentations points us to the steadfast love of the Lord. It never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. It's new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Look to God. Count on him. Life at times is hard, but God is always good. Let's pray. Father, as we begin a new year, Father, help us to have the right perspective. Father, help us to keep our eyes on you. Father, help us to look to you. Father, may we be people who hunger after your words so that we're reminding ourselves daily of who you are and what you've done for us. Father, may we know your steadfast love. May we know your mercy and your compassion. Father, may we know that you are faithful. Father, we know that times life is very difficult, but you are always good. Father, we thank you that you are with us. Father, we thank you that we can always count on you. So Father, as your people, may we know your love, your mercy, your faithfulness. And in the year ahead, keep our fix and our focus upon you. And it's in the name of Christ we ask it. Amen.